2: Hello you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 48th episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast.
1: Ghost tours for the Theater of the Mind. I
2: am your host Diane and this is Denise. And on this show we're going over to the Netherlands. It's another castle, Wardenburg Castle.
1: We like the castles and the ghosts that come in the castles. <laughs>
2: Yes, we do indeed. Now, this castle doesn't seem to have the dungeon and the torturing devices like most other castles. I'm not sure if it's because most of this castle has been destroyed. There's only about a third of it that's still standing, but uh, it's not as exciting as some of the other castles. But there is some interesting, creepy stories to go with it. And if we have time at the end of the show, I have an actual haunting from the Netherlands that was shared by someone.
1: Oh, very cool.
2: Speaking of getting some sharing from someone, Freya has sent us another
1: email. Oh, yay. So what does Freya have to say? A lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I told her she's becoming our associate producer or something because she's really good at finding us some places. She said, you mentioned that you haven't gotten a lot of stuff planned for June. So here's an idea. <laughs> so we'll be going Dananda
1: once again. Very cool.
2: Make sure you check out the website at historygoesbump.com It's got everything you want to know about the show from our emporium where you can purchase some fabulous History Goes Bump gear.
1: Definitely eye-catching and attention-getting because we both had our History Goes Bump shirts on when we did the ghost tour in Chattanooga. And immediately the ladies like, I love your shirt. So definitely go check it out.
2: Yes. it's And there's other stuff. It's not just our logo. We've got some other great stuff over there. I mean, keep calm and kill zombies and
1: that kind of stuff. What's the one with history? That's the one I really like. Oh, I'd find you more interesting if you were dead.
2: Yes. <laughs> it says haunted history. You'd be more interesting you if, if you, you were, were dead. dead. <laughs> Yeah, we like that too. We also have on there where you can find us on social media, how you can find the blog. The 10 most recent shows are up on the homepage. We also have the archives over there. If you're not subscribed on iTunes or Stitcher, that's a good way where you can get a hold of some of our archived shows. You can subscribe to the newsletter there. We'd love to have you do that. Make sure you join the Spooktacular crew over at Facebook. We've had a couple of people join this week. Welcome to you guys. And if you would like to help support the show in more ways than just sharing it and listening, and you'd like to give us a little monetary assistance, we would appreciate that. You can do that over at the website as well. And speaking of which, Levi has earned himself a free History Ghost Bump mug. So I'll be getting that out to him.
1: Oh, very cool. I know that the other History goes bump mug that went out was very appreciated the person was very excited to get it so hopefully levi will be just as excited
2: that's the nice thing about the way we have things set up there's rewards at different levels of giving and we do have the possibility of doing contests in the future we just to reach a certain level of donations to start doing contests and stuff but that's always a lot of fun denise if people want to contact us like freya did where can they do that
1: you can simply do that at history goes bump at gmail.com shall we get started we shall.
2: And it's really rainy here in Florida right now and kind of dreary and dark out, so it's perfect setting for haunted
1: history. Yes, it is. If you guys could see, yeah, it's very great for Florida. <laughs>
2: like to support the show please visit our patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation click the donate button on our website
1: at history Could a dressing table be haunted? E. Louisa S. Nosworthy is a woman who lived in Birkenhead and wrote about a purchase she made in the 1874 edition of the Spiritual Magazine. She had bought a dressing table 10 years earlier at auction. The piece was beautiful and she placed it in her guest room. She found out later that the dressing table had belonged to a man who had committed suicide and that is why his belongings were being sold off. Complaints from guests who stayed in the room started almost immediately. They would report that raps and taps from the dressing table awakened them at night and one young lady refused to stay in the room. Louisa's husband stayed in the room and claimed that he heard the noises coming from the piece of furniture as well. He even reported a figure had stretched out next to him on the bed, frightening him terribly. Louisa joined the spiritualist movement of the time and conducted a few seances in the home. One night she found herself having to stay in the guest room. She was overtaken with violent shaking of her body while she lay in bed. The air became thick and suffocating. She ran from the room and had no trouble the rest of the evening. The family became convinced the furniture was possessed by a dark spirit because their trouble had only started when it was bought into the house and activity only occurred in that room. Louisa wanted to burn it, but her husband was against destroying a good piece of furniture and he wanted to sell the table. They finally agreed to chop it up and instructed their cook to use the wood for firewood. Wouldn't you know, activity began in the kitchen. A dress hung by the fire was cut in slits and a vase was broken without anyone touching it. The wood from the table was eventually completely burned. Louisa gave her real name and claimed the story to be true in the article. Whether it was a fanciful imagination or an actual haunted possession, we'll never know. But the story certainly is odd. This History Podcast is haunted.
2: This Day in History On this day, June 4th, in 1769, an astronomical rarity occurred. A transit of Venus was followed by a total eclipse of the Sun. The amount of time between each event was only five hours, the shortest interval in history. When the planet Venus passes in front of the Sun, it is called a transit of Venus. For us here on Earth, it appears to be a black dot traveling across the sun, whereas a total eclipse of the sun blocks out most of the sun completely because the moon is closer to us. The transit lasts a matter of hours and is not as common as total solar eclipses. As a matter of fact, a transit of Venus only occurs every 243 years. For those of you listening over the age of three, you've had a transit in your lifetime. The last transit occurred June 5th and 6th in 2012. If you missed it, you missed your only chance to witness such an event. The next transit of Venus is predicted to occur in December 2117. Before our modern time and modern equipment, the transit of Venus helped scientists figure out the size of our solar system. Modern scientists hope to use the information gathered from the 2012 transit to find exoplanets.
1: history goes bump podcast. Wardenburg Castle sits in the woods of Wardenburg Village in the Netherlands. The castle has survived for centuries, enduring wars including World War II, pillaging, passing through the hands of many families, and severe demolition. The castle is both magnificent and creepy at the same time. The odd shapes of the castle and its unique turrets add to the mystique. The long history of the castle includes some tragic and horrific events. Bodies have been found buried in the cellar, ghosts haunt the hallways, and the legend of Dr. Faust has found a home here. Bloodstains that cannot be removed are testament to the strange and creepy stories of this castle.
2: The village of Wardenburg is located in the Gelderland province of the Netherlands. Gilderland dates back to the Holy Roman Empire and is named for a German town. The province suffered heavy damage during World War II that can still be seen to this day. The village of Wardenburg is named after a knight who established the village and built a wooden castle where Wardenburg Castle stands today. His name was Rudolf de Koch von Wardenburg. He was given the land in 1265 by Count Otto II of Gilders. Rudolf then built a wooden castle there in 1265, and he named the castle Hearn Castle. That building was replaced in 1280 with the castle that stands today. Well, at least part of it still stands today. It was designed in a unique polygonal shape. The walls are made from red brick, and there are several turrets of varying size. Today, the castle resembles a horseshoe shape.
1: The castle stayed in Rudolf's family until 1401, and the name was changed to Württemberg Castle at that time. Wurdenburg translates to Washland Hill. In 1568, the Netherlands began a revolution to gain independence from Spain. The war lasted until 1648 and came to be known as the Eighty Years' War. It was during this war that the castle experienced its first damage. The castle was taken and pillaged. Much of the castle was destroyed in the process. The Spanish left only the heavy walls and the outer shells of the tower standing. The castle lay in ruins until 1627. A man named Johann Vig bought the property and began reconstruction. But this reconstruction also led to the demolishing of the south wing and the entrance gate. Johann's efforts came to a standstill when his money ran dry. The castle proved to be too immense for him to maintain. In
2: 1895, Baron Jacob von Pallant bought the castle and began more restoration. After the castle was restored, the Baron moved in with his two sisters. The castle would then suffer heavy damage again during another war. This time, it was World War II. The Germans took the castle and pillaged it just as the Spanish had done centuries before. After the Germans were done occupying the castle, they bombed it repeatedly, and today only a third of the original structure still stands. What is left is still quite large. The friends of the castle of Gelderland now own the property and use it as private offices, not open to the public. We have a picture posted up on the blog that shows what the original castle probably looked like in a sketch.
1: The legend of Faust has a connection to Wardenburg Castle, according to the Gelderland Folk Almanac of 1842. As our listeners know, we take legends with a grain of salt, and the stories that surround the life of Dr. Johann George Faust have taken on a life of their own. Faust was a man who really did live from 1480 to 1541. He was an alchemist and a practitioner of black magic who claimed to have sold his soul to the devil to gain his powers of alchemy. He was also a pedophilic con man, so whether he was telling the truth is unknown. Martin Luther apparently knew of Faust and did claim that Faust had some kind of pact with the devil. Faust could conjure wine from a table, and when he was teaching at a university, legends claimed he conjured the heroes from Homer's epics when he taught about them. He came to a horrible end when the devil came to collect his soul. Legend states that Faust was torn apart by the devil and that he left the remains on a dung heap and Faust's eyeballs stuck in the wall. In reality, it is believed that Faust blew himself up while experimenting with alchemy.
2: See, this is me in chemistry class. This is why I was just. Your never body good at- in bits? <laughs> <laughs> this is why I just. I was never good at chemistry. You just you shouldn't pour this liquid over here with that liquid over there or, you know, poof. Now, we had instructors that would say, oh, I have a cool experiment here, and you'd get a little cloud that would form over it or whatever, but I'd be one of those that would be like, blow up the room. I'm wondering what he was mixing that could have been that powerful to blow him to bits because I'm assuming that's what happened. Of course, as we stated here, legends are called legends for a reason some people claim that faust never even existed but i think there's too much historical evidence out there to prove that especially martin luther if he knew faust and made claims about him he wouldn't lie about
1: that i don't think so i didn't know martin luther personally but probably
2: not (laughs) and i'm thinking you know your eyeballs are not real solid They're like the first thing, you know, when you die, they're like the first thing to liquefy.
1: But if they were stuck in the wall, I mean, the walls are very porous, so if they got splatted to the wall and then kind of got absorbed by the stone. <laughs>
2: I'm just thinking you wouldn't have eyeballs left
1: if you got blown up. Oh, they were saying like they were still full eyeballs in
2: the wall? Well, I don't know. I wasn't there. I haven't seen pictures of the scene.
1: (laughs) That's just what all the stories reported is that his eyeballs were stuck to the wall. Well, stuck or splatted. I mean, they could have been stuck to the wall like gum is stuck to your shoe. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Oh, yeah! Now I have a horrible image.
1: Just trying to help you see the whole legend here, you know? Thank you for helping with that visual. It is my pleasure. The Gelderland Folk Almanac claims that Faust
2: stayed in a second floor room of Wardenburg Castle and that it was from here that he was taken by the devil and destroyed and that bloodstains near the window and on the pavement still exist today. And cannot be removed due to this incident. That just reminds me of people talking about grease spots on the ground. Like when you get hit by a bolt of lightning and all that's left of you is a
1: grease spot on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And you're laughing about it. Okay, so now you all know the true demented mind of our, our beautiful host.
2: As to the truth of these statements, we cannot be certain. Most historical accounts claim that Faust died near Wittenberg, which is some 315 miles from Wardenburg. Others claim he died in a hotel in a town in the German district of Baden-Wittenberg called Staffen im Breisgau. What really happened? We'll never know, but the legend was made famous in Johann Wolfgang von Goethe's play, Faust.
1: You know, it's funny, all those places sound the same, though. You have Wittenberg, Wardenburg, and Wurttemberg.
2: Which makes me think that that's why we have this misunderstanding. Again, we've talked about this so many times on the podcast, is that it's like one person writes something, and then everybody copies and pastes it. So literally almost everything I found on The Hauntings or This Legend is verbatim the same stuff. And I'm like, does anybody ever bother to to look before you copy and paste stuff? I think
1: so. There's this girl named diane she does it all the time (laughs) just saying
2: well i think i'm the only one who cares about accuracy because i'm like okay first of all when i'm reading the history of faust there is no mention of wardenburg castle and i would think that if that's where he died and the devil supposedly took his soul
1: and stuck his eyeballs to the wall
2: or splatted them,
1: splatted them like gooey gum on a shoe but yes, then
2: that would appear in the historical accounts and it doesn't. And then of course, when I'm reading the historical accounts, I get two other places that aren't even Wardenburg Castle and both these places are in Germany. So I don't even know if he was in the Netherlands. So I have no idea how this legend got started that he was even in the castle. He did move around a lot because they kicked him out of towns because obviously he was a bad dude. He's mixing weird concoctions and there was even this one. I can't remember if it was like a bishop at the church and he was tired of shaving or something. He didn't want to shave anymore. So Faust says, oh, hey, I've got this great cream. Just put this all over your face and you won't ever have to shave again. What he failed to tell this gentleman is that this is arsenic. And when you spread it all over your face, yeah, it'll get rid of your facial hair because it's going to burn
1: your skin off. (laughs) Well, he promised him he would never have to shave again.
2: That was true. He was definitely not going to have to shave again. Oh my god. wouldn't have to worry about wearing sunscreen or anything. Of course, they didn't have that back then. But th- so this is the kind of guy he was. Plus, as you mentioned, he was a pedophilic con man, meaning he was a pedophile. One of the reasons he got kicked out of one of the towns he was in and he was proud to tell people was that he was molesting the boys there. Just a real loser type. Faust may just be legend when it comes to the castle, but reports of hauntings are not Disembodied steps are heard regularly climbing up and down the stairways. Apparitions have been seen climbing the stairs. Objects disappear and then reappear. Whispering is heard in rooms where there are no occupants. Toilets flush on their own. It should be noted that the remains of bodies were found in the castle cellar at one time. There is no historical record as to why this is the case. There are no deaths recorded at the castle either. So as to why it's haunted, we will never know because there's just no records even trying to find out who owned the castle is very very difficult if you just go with the stuff that i found it was basically in the hands of three families which i don't think could possibly be true especially for as long as it just stood there with nobody taking care of it and the unfortunate thing is this new group that's come in and turned it into their offices they don't let anybody come in and look at it i'm Why would you want to be in a historical castle and not show it off a little bit? So we haven't had any formal investigations here either. And so whenever there's been nobody going through and investigating, it makes it a little bit more difficult to uh, find out about hauntings and why they might be happening.
1: It's funny that nobody died at the castle, but there were remains of bodies found in the castle cell. So did they kill them elsewhere and bring them to the castle? Or was it... Well, they don't know. That's the thing. And...
2: Were there bodies in the cellar or was it somebody making up stories too? It's just, it's hard to know.
1: Absolutely. So are there truly spirits hanging around the stairways of the castle? Is the castle cold and drafty because it is old or because it harbors those who refuse to cross over? Is Wardenburg Castle haunted? That is for you to decide.
2: Now the Netherlands has never been a place that I've been like, Ooh, I've got to go see that, but I would like to see some of the windmills there. My folks visited and said it was really neat, and a couple of my clients actually are Dutch. And just it sounds like it's a, a neat country. Don't know if I if there's like specific things I want to go see there. I, I want to steer clear of Amsterdam. Oh,
1: come on, you don't want just like total freedom,
2: <laughs> people laying around from heroin. But when we talk about Amsterdam in the Netherlands, there is someone who goes by the name Tricholoma on the internet, and they had shared this story which is their true experience from a house that they had lived in in the Netherlands. And I thought, since we didn't have a whole lot of hauntings to go with the castle, that we would add this spooky little real-life tale to go with it.
1: Absolutely. I love real-life tales. Would
2: you like to start? Sure.
1: Me and my family lived in a small house in a village near Amsterdam in the Netherlands. My parents bought it somewhere around 1979. At that time, I was two years of age. The house was built somewhere around 1910, and as long as I can remember, there was always something strange going on.
2: As a young child, I could frequently see strange shadowy figures upstairs, and from time to time I heard someone or something breathing or scratching from inside the walls. I remember that at night I could regularly see these strange figures, whom looked like long black shapes moving in an odd rhythmic way through my bedroom. And one scary thing I remember, like it happened only yesterday.
1: I was about four or five years of age, and I began to notice them more often. Or let's say I became aware of the fact that what I saw wasn't something normal, and it really started to scare me. Every night it looked like they were moving closer to the edge of my bed and at a certain point they came so close that I hid myself under the sheets so I could not see them. I
2: know we've discussed this before too, how especially when we're children we think that sheets protect us. (laughs) Why do we think they're going to protect us from bad stuff? It's like they're a shield.
1: I don't know, sort of that, if I can't see you, you can't see me, I guess.
2: Yeah, of course that didn't help much because now I started to hear them. They made a strange mumbling sound, and as a child, or now as an adult, I could not make out what it was. But it scared me so much, and after a few nights, I was so scared that I kicked with my feet at the edge of my bed. To my horror, I really hit something, and it made a loud and eerie kind of scream.
1: Oh my gosh, you know, it's already scary enough to be a kid with wondering if there's something under your bed or in your closet, but to really have something scream when you kicked it, that would be very frightening. A few seconds later, my mother entered my room, asked me why I made such an awful scream. I told her what happened, but it was of no use. I could not convince her that it wasn't me, but one of the monsters near my bed. She tried to call me and told me that there was no such things as ghosts or monsters, She told me that I was safe in my room and asked me to go back to sleep. It may sound strange, but from that moment on, I never heard the noises again and I never saw those things again until 1989.
2: That was a good year. I graduated from high school that year. In that year, my mother suddenly died and left me, my father, and two younger brothers to take care of ourselves. From that moment on, the atmosphere changed in the house. I started to see the shadowy figures again and the scratching noises and the breathing came back. I could hear it all through the night.
1: One day I noticed that our cats started to behave strange. They became very jumpy and nervous and refused to go into certain places in the house. One of these places being my room. It was like they could see things that we, well most of us, apparently couldn't.
2: What also spooked me was that some places in the house were freezing cold for no reason. My father and my two brothers also seemed to be affected by whatever it was. My father kept telling us stories about ghostly appearances and a woman figure he had seen in our living room. My two brothers became very aggressive and violent and used coarse language all day through. It was like something dark took possession of the house.
1: At night, things really got creepy. Something was constantly pulling my sheets away and made frightening noises from inside the walls. Downstairs, I frequently heard people walking or moving things around. Our cupboards and closets were open and shut all night through. And every time it happened, I went downstairs to see who's there. And every time there was nothing but a couple of scared cats hiding under our couch.
2: One day, one of my brothers asked if I'd heard the strange noises the night before. Of course I heard the noises, but I was curious about his story and asked him what he was talking about.
1: He described all things I heard every night. He thought we had a burglar in the house and he stormed downstairs to teach him or her a lesson. But there was nothing there, and angry and frustrated, he went back to bed. In
2: 1999, my youngest brother started to behave in such a bad manner that the authorities decided, with the consent of me and my father, to put him in a foster home. From that moment on, he immediately changed and became a friendly and caring young boy. I think that whatever haunted our house had lost grip on him, and therefore he changed. But I, my older brother, and my father could not move elsewhere and had to deal with the house.
1: In 2001, a friend of mine told me that whenever he came to visit our house, he felt like something in our house was watching him. It made him feel uncomfortable. He also said that from the corners of his eyes, it was like there was always strange black man-like shapes visible in, but also close around, our house. I had never mentioned this to anyone, not even my father and brothers. I was shocked, but didn't have the courage to tell him what was going on. But we talked about it for a while, And made some silly jokes about it.
2: That was a big mistake. And that night I would learn the hard way. I do not recall the time, but suddenly my sheets were violently pulled off my bed. My room became freezing cold and the scratching noises came from all the walls. It was almost like something was rapidly moving through all the walls. And then I heard very loud breathing and something, what felt like enormous hands, grabbed me by the neck and threw me into one of the corners of my room. Apparently, I lost my consciousness. When I came to, my neck really hurt, and it still was very cold in my room. I decided not to stay there one more second and rush downstairs. That night, I slept on one of our couches with the company of our cats. That gave me a safe feeling.
1: Next morning, father and brother had no clue what had happened that night. I asked them if they had heard something, but they both said no. They did ask if there was something wrong with my neck, and I replied that I fell out of my bed and hurt my head and neck. I went to the bathroom and noticed a large bruise in my neck.
2: That same day, my friend came to visit me again. He immediately noticed that I behaved strange and asked what was going on. I referred to our ghost stories the day before and told him that I had had the weirdest dream, that something attacked me and that I woke up in a corner of my room. Worried, he asked what was wrong with my neck. Before I was able to respond, he pulled my shirt up and he froze.
1: I asked him what was there. Do you want to know what's on your neck, he asked. You know that you have a bruise in the shape of a very large hand in your neck and on your shoulders. Now I was really afraid, and that day I told him everything that was going on. He immediately believed the entire story.
2: My brother overheard my story, and when it came to an end, he told me that he was so glad that he was not going crazy. Unfortunately, later that year, my father's health rapidly worsened, and he started to show severe signs of dementia.
1: But by now, several people had noticed it, and since we did not know what it was, we all decided to try to ignore it, and most certainly, to not try to offend it anymore. That seemed to help a little. Things calmed down a bit, but we could still hear the noises, and every night, things were still moving around. The cold spots in the house remained, and for several months, I refused to spend the night in my room. But at a certain point, I decided that this was ridiculous, and I started to sleep there again. I don't know why, but it never bothered me again, and I was never attacked again.
2: Somewhere around 2002, my father's condition worsened, and he could not live in the house any longer, so we all moved out. I moved to a small apartment near my old house, and my brothers moved somewhere else. The house was sold to our next-door neighbor. He always wanted to buy the house so he could make one big house of both houses.
1: I moved to my apartment. For a while, I feared that something had followed me to my new apartment. Again, I felt like I was being watched, and again I saw something, but this was different. It did not feel bad. The cats, I kept them after moving out of the old house, were not spooked, and one day I saw something that was as clear as day. It was an old lady, a friendly-looking old granny. I was not afraid of her, and I spoke into the room right at the exact spot where I had seen her. I said that I did not mean to intrude, but that it was now my house that I lived there now, and if she wanted, she was welcome to stay. Immediately something changed in my apartment. Everything suddenly felt so serene and peaceful, and I have never seen her again.
2: Later I heard from my new next door neighbor that an old brother and sister had lived in my apartment. The sister took care of her brother, but then the sister died and the brother couldn't stay there, so he was moved to a nursing home. That was shortly before I moved in. The woman my neighbor described was the woman I had seen.
1: At the same time, my old neighbor had his own problems with the old house. Because he did not have the funds to immediately pay for the cost of renovation, he decided to rent the place out. Not a single one of his tenants stayed there for very long, but the most striking case was a young woman who rented the house. She told my old neighbor that she simply loved the place and even paid him two months in advance. A few days later, my old neighbor came home from his work and noticed a large truck in front of the house and several movers taking her stuff out.
2: He wanted to know what was going on, and one of the movers told him that the woman did not want to spend another minute in that house. She did not even want to get near to it and gave them the key. My old neighbor could keep his rent. The man could not tell my neighbor what had happened to her, but something scared the living daylights out of her.
1: Up to this day, I still do not know what it was. Some of my friends say that it was most likely a poltergeist, Another friend said that maybe it was a demon, and one girlfriend even mentioned that maybe it was the spirit of my deceased mother, although I refused to believe that. Things were already off before she died, and I don't believe that she would ever turn to violence. Quite the experience. I think part of it, in what he said in his story is, part of it is you think you're crazy, so you're not telling anybody so you're going through your thing. They're going through their things. And finally, when the ice gets broken, it's like, oh, you've been having that too. I'm not nuts. And so I think it's just finally people starting to talk. But Especially I would, when you're a kid. Yeah, I'd get the heck out of there, though, if I could.
2: Well, we hope that story creeped you out just a little bit. We want to thank you guys for joining us. Our next podcast is going to be on Pocatello High School, which has some hauntings going on. in it It has even made some recent news with those hauntings. So it should be an interesting tale to tell. Fun, I am your host, Diane.
1: And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, this is Christopher. And this is Joe. From the Curioso Podcast. And here at the Curioso, when we want to listen to ghost tours for the theater of the mind, we listen to the History Goes Bump Podcast.